0: Thank you. Hello and welcome to Shot Reverse Shot, a podcast in which we attempt to talk about film within the confine of a particular theme that changes from episode to episode. I am Joe Gastineau and joining me as always is Ed Dix. How are you doing? Hi,
1: I'm good, thank you. Kind of stepped on your line there. Hi, I'm good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Build your part <butt> up. <laughs> How are you, Ed?
1: <laughs> Fine, I thought we were going for a Robert altman sort of thing. Oh, kind of
0: overlapping you know, dialogue. And yeah. let
1: people kind of piece it together from yeah. all the very... <laughs> You know, when they re listen to it over and over again to catch the nuances.
0: Yeah. There's no, no this this podcast contains no nuance whatsoever. That's Although, what we uh should say.
1: In an homage to uh the long goodbye, the final part of this podcast will be obscured by the sound of crashing waves. Yes. Or Very the much nearest so. equivalent which will be quad bikes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Again we're recording this as the last one, uh without the usual standard um uh, equipment, so The Millennium Falcon might fly by any sound, uh, what it sounds like is a bus, which sounds like uh, we're in it, as opposed to standing in it. Today's theme is uh, education. Um, So we'll be talking about uh, educators, uh, films featuring uh, high schools, colleges, uh, educational institutions, like that. We'll be talking about teachers and uh, talking about film school and the merits of film school and going, or not going... Um, but first, we'd like to talk about... Um, I did a little bit of research for this. <laughs> Believe it or not, this is researched. this podcast. Um, um, about films set in high schools versus films set in colleges. And what I found, Ed, you'll be interested to know, is that there are fuck all good films set in colleges, <laughs> but there are loads of good films set in high school. Yeah. Why is that? I think it's easier to put the
1: high school experience... On film than the college one because I think partly it's a ratings thing because if you were to I think if you were to depict an accurate college experience it would be uh, too full of sex and profanity and drugs and all that sort of thing but also I think kind of dull in a lot of ways because in between that it'd just be long lectures Mm. but also I think there's something to be said about uh, there's something more interesting, I think, about the high school milieu, about people, kind of developing as people and growing, and not being quite emotionally developed. I mean, I don't think you're emotionally developed when you f- developed when you go to college either. But no, I wasn't. you you are slightly more so, I'd say, than at high school and at colleges. There's less of that. Well, over here, there's less of that cliquey cliquey sort of thing. I mean, you've got your uh, fraternities and things like that. But you know, I don't really know how that works. Um, so I think that there's there's, it just seems to be a more fertile ground for drama than college which is why I think that the good college films uh, tend to maybe focus on other aspects
0: yeah one thing we, we did notice by looking up these college films is that uh, high school films tend to be about the students and um, their experiences of high school whereas uh, college films generally seem to be films just set around a college yeah. and uh, tend to be about the people um, who kind of work there or are based around there a good example a very good example of this is Wonder Boys the Curtis Hanson film which focuses on uh, Michael Douglas' character Grady Tripp who is a university lecturer and we only ever see him lecture in the first five minutes of yeah. and then the rest of the film is him getting bugged to deliver a book Disposing of a dead dog, yeah, smoking weed,
1: smoking weed, worrying about his
0: uh, romantic endeavors
1: and which woman he's going to end up with, and yeah
0: Ponting about in a dressing gown yeah. and a beanie hat that film is great by the way it uh, is uh the what stops it being really great is the pat ending where yeah it, not wanting to give it away, but <laughs> it offers a very simple and uh, sell out solution to uh uh is an awesome character's life. You yeah. read the book of uh, uh, Wonder Boys. Does I it have, kind of end in such a convenient fashion? Slightly less
1: convenient, but it's it's the idea is more or less the same. But the specifics of it are a bit different. I mean, it's hard to go into about spoiling both, but um, <laughs> okay. we don't uh, do that for anyone. Yeah, but um, yeah, because they're both great. I mean, the book's fantastic and the film's great as well. But I think that the. That they're both kind of happy endings but I think the specifics of the book are kind of a bit more complicated and there's more suggestion that things have been difficult for a little while before the happy ending, it's kind of a big leap in time between right. the sort of end of the main body it's because, you know, it's like an epilogue really than an ending yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, so it's uh, it's kind of the same thing but it's handled a little def- a bit. I'd, I'd say with a little more sort of nuance, a bit more Bit more of a deft hand than in the film. Not that the fi- I, you know, i would never dissuade people from seeing the film. It's, it's a great film, really fantastic.
0: And I was um, thinking about that the other night when I realised that that was probably the start of Robert Downey Jr.'s rehabilitation mm. back into Hollywood films. It was around, yeah. was this kind of two thousand and one, maybe two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Um, mm. Where he started, it was a small part. He's got a supporting part, it, it's a real kind of scene stealer, oh, yeah, kind yeah. of role. Um, but that was kind of him getting back on the horse. And when I say horse, I don't mean heroin. Um, <laughs> or, or Toby Maguire. Or Toby Oh, yeah.
1: It's a film in which Iron Man fucks Spider-Man as well. As, uh, <laughs> in, yeah, uh, while Gordon Gecko watches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in retrospect,
1: that film uh, is odd.
0: It's a, it's a landmark superhero film. Um, yeah, oh, there's got to be slash Slashfic out there. It's a, There's it's, got to be. It's...
1: Uh, it's a perverted Marvel fan's dream. That film.
0: <laughs> um, uh, I was going through the list of films set in colleges, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. When I list some of these, and I, like you know, these <laughs> literally these are the best films I could find set in colleges. Sure. Um, the Social Network. Mm, yeah. Which um, is um,
1: It's only really in college.
0: The star
1: or, or and maybe the, heart, the first
0: even, half? Even when they go to like Oxford or the, the you know, the the, the regatta bit mm. it's very feels university yeah. Uh, the visitor, again, only in college for the first ten minutes. Yeah. Google hunting is set around the college. Yeah. Um Revenge of the Nerds (laughs) Um, It really
1: fell off quite quickly didn't
0: it? (laughs) Well I'm getting to the best film of all time set in uh, a college which is Animal House Oh yeah Um, which is you know a great film Yeah Um, Then there's The Shore Thing did you ever see The Shore Thing?
1: With uh, John Cusack Yeah That's a good one
0: That's a good film Uh, And then you hadn't heard of this film and I said I'd surprise you with the details Okay okay. Uh, The film Soul Man Right. Okay. No, you've never seen it. Nope. Right. Picture this. It's the '80s. Mm-hmm. C. Thomas Howell is a big star. C. Thomas Howell plays a university wannabe who wants to go to university and wants to uh, um, experience. His family are quite poor, and he can't get. In. He needs a scholarship. He finds a scholarship which is perfect for him. It targets the you know the right kind of social. Area that he kind of finds himself in with one small difference, the scholarship is only available to black students okay so see <laughs> Thomas Howe overdoses on suntan pills in order to black up yep. to go to university. He dons a Jerry curl wig <laughs> with his black skin and he goes to university as a black student and wow. exclusively black university as a black student under the tutelage of james L. jones obviously uh i think ray dawn Chong's in it as well right um and it is a film which in a tiny part kind of satirizes notions of racism and uh you know talks about what it is to be black in america the black experience in america but The vast majority of it is actually racist. (laughs) And it is... The film is beyond belief. Yeah. There is a montage to the song Soul Man by Sam and Dave where he plays basketball against some other black students. And because he's white, he's rubbish. (laughs) And all the black kids skin him at basketball. Yeah. It is... You have to see it. It's got Leslie Nielsen in it as well. Okay. Which makes it even... Does he also black up? Regrettably not. And yeah, it is preposterous but brilliant yeah. but also disgraceful <laughs> it's all of those things at once um, but you must see it yeah. and it is quite remarkable um, but yeah that's, that's about all I could think of for college films whereas high school films there's I, so many more examples
1: I would add one which would be a serious man to the college one because uh, because uh, oh, the, yeah. the main character played by Michael Stuhlberg is a college professor mm-hmm. and I think it's got quite a nice depiction there of academia and the kind of the uh, kind of bureaucracy and slight paranoia of it all because obviously he uh, at one point is afraid that he's being blackmailed or that he's being offered money Mm. and I think that there's a I really like the atmosphere of that in its depiction of sort of college and it does actually feature some fairly it features a couple of scenes of him actually lecturing uh, when he talks about like the uncertainty principle and all that sort of thing Mm. so I think that's a, a good one but again it's not really a film about going to about no. college a
0: lot of the films I found that were about the experience of going to college were shitty frat films yeah like Road Trip and there's one which is about adults who go back to college in old school yeah uh, which is really shit <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it's I mean if you look at that and a list of high school films I mean it just skins it into existence uh, Napoleon Dynamite Election Friday Night Nights Night, Brick Hoop Dreams Scream Rushmore Donnie Darko Mean Girls Ferris People's Day Off Days to Confuse Heathers Past Times Arrangement High Breakfast yep. Club All these films And I'm not even mentioning The actual Those are just films I like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually mentioning Things like Grease yeah. Or I don't know Amer- American Graffiti Yeah I don't know like oh, that's,
1: that. well, that that's more That's uh, more That's more end of high school isn't it because they're all, they're all graduating it's, the same as, uh,
0: Daisy. it's pretty much the same film as Days Confused. they yeah just for Days and cues is better yeah much better yeah um, do you think there's more high school films and a lot more interesting high school films because uh, more people can relate to it? because everyone's been to high school yeah. whereas not everyone's been to college
1: I think that's probably quite true and also it seems to be something that there's kind of a universality to it. I mean, when we were talking then, we just mentioned American Graffiti, which was a film made in 1973 and set in the mid-60s. Mm. Yeah, because it's before Vietnam, isn't it? And yeah. It's like looking back. Uh, and then Days of Confuse, the film made in
0: 1992.
1: Uh, set in the 70s. Set in the 70s. And it's they. but you know, you could show Days of Confuse to someone now and they'd be able... I think they'd be able to relate to the high school experience that even though it was made 20 years earlier and set 20 years earlier than that, you know. I think that there is a universality to it, you know, as I said, that, uh, you know, college doesn't really have. And I also think that there's, um, there's a certain heightened... There's a certain heightened emotional state that you go through as a teenager that... Works really well on film, I think. That can that can you know like the emotions you feel in high school are, you know, uh, monumental, mm. and so I think that translates well into film in a way that perhaps doesn't as well for sort of college films. but I think you know if p- people in college, even though they may not be more mature, they tend to act more mature. They're kind of more self-aware, yeah. And so that met- would make sort of the more. Out with the emotional things seem a little false, maybe more false, whereas the sort of earnestness of high school that f- feels real in a way that it doesn't in college films, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, you get very few films dealing with the kind of post university funk, mm. although we've both recently seen one this week. Yeah. In, uh, Tiny Furniture? Yes. Well, what did you think of Tiny Furniture? Um, I didn't hate it. Um, <laughs> that's a ringing endorsement.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because there were bits of it which I thought were really funny, and I did think that it captured that post-university malaise really well. But I just didn't really enjoy it all that much. I didn't really, I didn't really care for the characters. Is it? Is it
0: because ninety-five percent of the characters were gaping assholes? Yeah, I think that's probably it. Apart from of, Lena Dunham, yeah, everyone else in it was a despicable hipster.
1: Yeah. And also, yeah, I think it's also that kind of milieu that isn't is that
0: Tribeca, isn't it? Yeah, milieu, it's not
1: really uh, that interesting to me personally. Um, it's kind of hard to have sympathy for people with that amount of money yeah. you know, and who come from that sort of social set. Um, but you know, I did, I did think it was, it was well made. But you kind, of, I kind of got the sense that it would have been really good if it had real actors, in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that you know, that everyone in it did well with the material. Um, I was quite impressed by Grace Dunham, who plays Lena Leonid, real sister. sister. yeah,
0: and her real mum plays her mum. Yeah,
1: yeah, but you know, I couldn't help but think that it would have been better if uh,
0: Aubrey Aubrey Plaza was in the main role because I think she would have been a perfect fit for that film. Aubrey Plaza's got a film coming out. I'm so looking forward to. Oh, it's is it called the, the, the No? What's it called? Um, it's got it's it's a, named after a sex act, isn't it? That's not the one I'm thinking (laughs) of. I'm thinking of the one um, which is called uh, No Safety Required or something. And uh, the poster for it is brilliant. I saw it online today. It's just an advert in a newspaper that just says, um, Wanted someone to travel back in time with me, must have own weapons. Don't worry, I've done this once before. Wow. And it's, it's Mark Duplass and Aubrey Plaza. Oh, that sounds cool. Who invented a time machine. Oh, I don't really know too much about it other no. than that. I think one but I was, already, I'm sold.
1: I think the one I was thinking, I think it's something called like the hand job or something like that, and she plays a girl who uh, is sexually inexperienced and wants to kind of ex- experience things before she goes to college. I think. Uh, right, this ties nicely in to the theme. Yeah, I think I think that's what it's about. Uh, I just remember reading about it. It sounds like it'd be really funny. It seemed like it had a really good cast. None of whom I can remember now, other than Aubrey Plaza. Like I said, this
0: this podcast is thoroughly researched.
1: Uh, but uh, well, I didn't know that one would be coming up. No, no. Um, our Aubrey Plaza theme But it seemed like it would be uh, one that's probably going to have the name change somewhere along the road.
0: I'd imagine along the way. Um, high school films generally. Uh, there are very few films. High school films are high school films. About the high school experience, yeah. there's a lot of high school films that are experiments in genre or explorations of a particular genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking down the list, there is so many different ones. What uh, what stands out for you is a kind of more interesting uh, genre experiment set in high school. Uh, well, the one that you know immediately
1: leads to mind, and it's one that I know you're a fan of, as I am, is, is Brick. Ryan Johnson's Brick, which and
0: is- a film that I got, we got shit about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, via the podcast's uh, feedback, uh, someone sent me a text and just said, "Great podcast, but Brick shit."
1: Oh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna get more now because we're just gonna talk about how, how fantastic it
0: is. The literally the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, you yes, Brick Citizen Kane into a cocktail. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brick is um, for those who don't know is a a, a film noir um, set in high school. It really shouldn't be as good as it is. It mm. should be a smug. Uh, genre kind of, exercise yes but it isn't it, uh, why Why does it succeed where it, on paper it should happen? I think because it just it's so clever in the way it fits the
1: high school uh, archetypes into basically what is essentially a Dashiell Hammett story just, mm. uh, you know it uses the various different kind of cliques in a very clever way like you know the 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 drama people that he has to talk to um, the idea of like the local dealer being sort of a kingpin character even though he just works out of his mother's basement Uh, you know there's a a nice use of sort of race in there as well with the the way in which he relates to sort of the Latino kids and the idea of him as a someone who's not really part of any single group who kind of flits between all of them Mm -hmm. that fits nicely into again the Dashiell Hammett style thing you know Sam Spey who doesn't really have any allegiance to anyone you know kind of goes around and, and can investigate anything
0: really because he doesn't have any allegiances. Um, and Schaaf plays the high school uh, yeah. principal, <laughs> yeah. which is always nice. Um, uh, but they they also um, what they do in where a lot of that hardboiled fiction it fits into that is it has a completely new language. Yeah. Um, which takes some getting used to at the start.
1: Yeah, I remember when it came out, um, there were promotional postcards which essentially uh, it was like what this word means in the films so that you could go in and, i mean it, i think it's possible entirely possible to pick it up and tell what's going on in mm. it but you know i think that helps as well because it's not like uh, attempting to have realistic teenager dialogue in a noir story or it's not trying to kind of cram in sort of 30s hardball fiction dialogue into a high school movie it you know takes the structure of it and then creates its own language that kind of has a flavour of both in it, really, and I think that's that's the thing that works really well with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's a, I think it's a really good example of a film that would be less interesting if it wasn't set in high school, because it's not a gimmick though, either. It's not it? a gimmick, no, but it, it all fits together so well, uh, and you know, there's there's lots of things that are good about that. You know, the script's really solid, the directing's really good. It's got a great central performance by Joseph Gordon Levitt, but you take that story out of high school and make it you know just a normal noir it's, it's kind of less interesting mm. and, but also also because there's that sense of uh, every time that sort of reality imposes itself on that uh, sort of film noir thing it can be, it's quite funny it's like there's a scene in which Joseph Gordon-Levitt is having, he goes to visit the uh, the villain played by Lucas Haas mm. is that correct? Mm. Yep. Yeah. And they go, he goes to his house and then his mum comes in and asks them if they would like some milk or something. Yeah. And it's really funny because it just makes you realise that, you know, they're, they're very serious about this and obviously a girl, a, a young girl is dead and, mm-hmm. you know, the, Joseph willen investigating it. But um, at the same time, they're still kids who live at home with their parents. <laughs> and there's quite a nice contrast between that. But yeah. it doesn't play that up like for comic effect all the way through. Because like the bit with Richard Roundtree is played really seriously. Play straight, yeah. As if, you know, he is... Yeah, if ask she's, him to turn on his badge yeah yeah if he's the chief of police like investigating it or something or you know he's got a loose cannon on the force <laughs> and he's trying to
0: rein him in um, what other genres have been explored via the high school media I mean I'm off the top of my head looking at it Donnie Darko does the sci-fi oh, slash Daddy. time travel slash mind bending yeah or is it mind bending or is it just needlessly complicated doesn't make sense Um I think it's mind bending in the original cut it's kind of
1: stupid in the director because <laughs> when it over explains everything because it's the, the original version there's just enough a sort of obfuscation to kind of make it uh interesting without making it incomprehensible mm-hmm. and then when everything's like explained he's kind of like, well, that just all sounds really dumb you mm-hmm. know when he explains the reasoning behind everything that happens in that film
0: sometimes directors should just be you know they fight and they, they get into uh uh, disputes with the studio about the cut or the length or whatever and mm-hmm. they turn in a film and then give given the chance to do their own version yeah and it's making it worse yeah making it worse um, the sports movie is a, a you know a, a separate subgenre that works within the yeah. uh, uh high school uh, movie I guess is um Risky Business yeah that's uh, one up there what else have you got I mean I know uh, you're a big fan of Friday Night Lights yeah I think Friday Night Lights would be a big one
1: Um Which again is uh, it's both about high school and sports, but it's also about sort of the town and and the it's 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 kind it's interesting because a lot of high school movies use high school as a jumping off point to kind of look at something else, and in that case, it's a film that uses both the high school and sports movie to do a sort of a a leap off into investigating the life of a town. Really,
0: it's quite similar in that respect to Daisy the Views because Mm. the central thread that runs through days confused is they're leaving uh, school that year and when they come back for their senior year they've got to sign a bit of paper that says that they won't take drugs because they need to be in the football team and the uh, the lead character Pink is the quarterback and it has very much that feel a couple of friends that I know live in America kind of explaining that we don't really have it here that Mm. small towns can be entirely dependent on morale for a high school football team Buffalo 66 is a very good example of uh, something that does that kind of you know get 10 15 20,000 people coming up to watch kids play American yeah. football is is uh, something that that ties those two films together yeah
1: and then that, and in Friday night lights as well because of the time it's sex it's set in 1988 in Odessa Texas um, when Texas was in the middle of a profound economic spiral because the 70s had been um huge for it in terms of the oil business you know that's when you get like the oil brands. in the book of um Friday Night Lights by um uh H.G. Bissinger um there's a, a section in it in which uh he goes into the economic background of this town and he talks about how people were so rich in the area that you know you would get people who would fly palm trees from uh from Africa over, even though they couldn't grow in, you know, they had that they had that much money and they were like buying giant mansions that cost a huge amount of money. And then suddenly, sort of mid 80s, or maybe even earlier than that, it's just a huge crash Could you get the OPEC crisis and things like that, which just dis- devastates the oil business. Uh, and sort of towns like Odessa kind of shriveled up and they didn't quite die, but they kind of, you know, unemployment was big and suddenly there were no jobs around. And uh, that's when you start to see people really put their hopes and dreams into the local football team because mm. it's kind of the thing you live and die on. Especially in Texas, because Texas is you know the state that's the best. You know that's where f- football is at its kind of peak. You know Texas football is the most uh, the most difficult football in the uh, in America so obviously to be the best team in Texas is essentially to be the best team in the States Yeah. so you can understand why people would put a lot of themselves into the, what happens on the pitch because
0: and Confuse is Texas as well isn't it yeah it's Austin it's not named is it the place I don't think so I
1: imagine it would be Austin because that's where uh, Linklater probably. is from yeah
0: um, but yeah um, Hoop Dreams is another great um, example of the kind of sports uh, genre spin-off I mean there are others like Hoosiers and things yeah. like that are kind of more obvious but Hoop My Dreams ducks. is... You what, sorry? My Ducks. <laughs> I'm not sure that entirely counts. Um, but, uh, yeah, Hoop Dreams is probably the best sports movie I've ever seen and he mm. is uh, up there with one of the best films we have ever seen, full stop. It's yeah, a, yeah. It is a wonderful, wonderful piece of work. But there's an amazing bit in that where, you know, these kids... Because, you know, without an education you can't get into the, the big leagues and, you know, these kids are being uh, touted from, like, urban schools... And then offered places in these, you know, more esteemed kind of schools to get their grades up so they can carry on and essentially so they can get to college and become professional. And there's a great bit where they take the, the two kids uh, who are featured uh, specifically in Hoop Dreams and they kind of take them from kind of inner city Chicago and then they plonk them in a kind of Catholic, you know, upper middle class school and it just kind of completely tears them outside of everything they're mm-hmm. used to. and and then there's another like kind of amazing bit which is kind of baffling where they kind of go to nike university and they're they taught about brand identity and what it takes to be a star but from a nike point of view yeah. if they make it they'll have Nike products and you know everything it's it's kind of crazy and that's a that's a weird thing that you know in, in this country we don't have scholarships like that, that no. we don't have um we don't kind of uh you, you get the grades and you go to university if you can afford it yeah. whereas in America you, you can get a scholarship if you're lucky enough and you have to go to scholarship uh, Get have to go to college on a scholarship to become a sports star yeah it's, it's crazy. crazy kind of, kind of backwards yeah. yeah because that's not the it's not the way that it works here no whereas well you know don't want to generalise people who play sport in this country are too stupid to go to university <laughs> <laughs> apart from rugby players yeah they're all very well educated yeah Um, what other genre exercises can you think of? I mean, horror is a big one. Yeah, for, I was going to say Christ that
1: horror, horror is a big thing. Um, the one I, I had listed sort of horror sci-fi is The Faculty, the Robert Rodriguez film. Or uh, The Thing, as I like to call it. Yeah, The, the Thing goes to college. <laughs> um, it's it's not just The Thing, it also rips off Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah,
0: that one as well, yeah. Well,
1: I quite like I quite like The Faculty. I think it's... Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. But there again, I think... Uh, there's something I that's quite interesting with uh, horror is that there's there's kind of a as as teenagers they're kind of in a a no man's land between being children and kind of being helpless and being adults and having a sense of agency. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of why horror works really well at high schools is that they they don't have kind of the power to really kind of. Um, Hand to tackle the the problem by you know going to the police or something because you know if you're a kid and you say there's aliens in the school they're just going to assume you're nuts and yeah as an adult as well you know but maybe you'd have more of a sense of authority and more of a a position to kind of argue this but they have enough of sort of intelligence and and uh and knowledge to kind of figure out how to fight fight the threat you Mm -hmm. know I think that's that's a nice balance there. You feel you know scared for them, but you also uh, feel that there's they might be capable of doing this. This is also true of something like Scream. Yeah. The Scream films have that same balance as well, which is why I think the films suffer when as that franchise went on and they stopped being in high yeah, school.
0: Scream is in high school. Scream Two is in college. Yeah. Scream Three is in Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know where Scream Four is.
1: Scream Four is back in the original town. But they're adults, and but there are college, there are high
0: school kids, so kind right. of. I mean, high school kids and horror is a dream combination. Yeah. Yes. Um, have you ever seen Massacre at Central High? <laughs> no. But that was the that was kind of like the very first high school slasher film. Mm. Uh, I think it was made maybe nineteen eighty. Might might be late seventies. It's actually quite good, mm. uh, despite the title. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's very much that that idea of them going picking off kids for their perceived clique kind of affiliations right Um, but yeah Scream is is a kind of big one Um, another one that uh, springs to mind is I mentioned it on the last podcast, Ginger Staps is Mm. kind of the werewolf film uh, set in high school Uh, we've also got the Twiglet movies they're vampire films yeah there's a whole kind of puberty horror yeah uh, but Teen Wolf how Teen can we forget Team Wolf? <laughs> um, did Team Wolf Two make the fatal mistake of leaving school? I can't remember. I've not seen it. I'm pretty sure it's set in school because it's. They'd have to call it Teen Wolf, or they, they'd have to call it Adult Wolf, I guess. Yeah. Or just Wolf. Wolf. That's no, that's Genic another film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Team Wolf. Man, <laughs> I mean, how can I say that Hoop Dreams is the best sports movie when I hadn't when, even thought when about Team Teen Teen Wolf exists? Yeah. I mean, they're currently a TV series of TV
1: yeah I think we mentioned this on a previous one that the MTV have made it, I don't know if it's continuing I know they aired the first series so yeah. I don't know if uh, it did well enough
0: to warrant continuation for shame for shame two great horror films I can think of that are either set in school mm-hmm. or uh, involve schools are uh, Pitnick A Hanging Rock oh yeah that's a good which one which takes the kids out of the school Yeah. Uh, surrounds them in the outback surrounds them in the outback um, but more specifically another one which I which is um, one of my favourite films of all time um, is uh, Led the oh, which is yeah. a high school film set in a school yeah without any children yeah which is a I mean for those who haven't seen it shame on you it's amazing <laughs> um, a, a film set with only three or four characters in an empty school over the summer yeah um, and that the setting of that lends itself so well to horror, even though none of the participants are children. Yeah, um, I mean, it really is a magnificent yeah. piece of work.
1: I think, I think, um, I think that's just something that's kind of playing on something that uh, is very real, which is if you ever go to a school when it's empty, it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Like whatever school you go to, like it doesn't have to be. You know, like there's lots of schools around Sheffield that have got those kind of like gothic arches and they, they they look imposing they look like something from a role and they were only built 10 years ago thing. Yeah, <laughs> or you know like a modern bright lip city. there's that sense of absence mm. of you know this is a place that's meant to be filled with people running around or you know there's meant to be activity and you take that away and suddenly they're these just giant empty buildings devoid of life and I think that Di- 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 Diabolics uh, plays on that very well because uh, it uses its location of a big empty school to to very great effect
0: Um, all of the films we've talked about um, are American Mm. obviously Hollywood does hold the homogeny yeah is that the right word hegemony 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 I don't know what that word is I don't even know what it means I think it's hegemony hegemony yeah Yeah. wasn't she in uh, Harry Potter (laughs) yeah hegemony Granger Um, these all American films Um. Why is there a dearth of British films set in uh, secondary school, <laughs> I don't want to believe it, comprehensive school, or even worse, uh, British universities? He doesn't. Um, he doesn't know.
1: I'm, I'm not sure. I just don't think that they're. Um, that they have quite the cultural cachet that they do in the state. I just don't think that there's. We we've never we didn't have a tradition of that in like the the 60s and 70s of that kind of film Mm -hmm. and as such you can't develop it now because it will just be the only influence you have for that is from American cinema and so I think there's kind of that sense that because we've never had it we don't want to start doing it now in case we get it wrong I mean you've seen The Inbetweeners not the wildly successful film from last year
0: but the uh Forgotten Uh, early uh, two thousands. Yeah, for those who don't know, and I'm probably suggesting that's most of you. There was a film called In Between Us, which came out in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, might have even been slightly later. And it was an attempt to make a British university film. Yeah, Uh, it was. I think the participants. uh, The my memories are very very hazy. The participants of which are all film students, I think, and Johnny Ball, from Johnny Ball Explains It All, plays a film lecturer, I think, and it is absolutely fucking awful. (laughs) It doesn't... it's just dreadful. Um, I can't really expand on why, because I can't remember it uh, very much. But but would you say that that is trying to ape...
1: An American-style yes. college film. It, it doesn't feel like a British film. it's It like, feels like British people playing and making an American film.
0: Yeah, it did definitely feel like that. But I think that that's because the the American college experience to me is, you know, Letterman jackets and hacky sack and frisbee and yeah. frat parties, whereas the British college experience is, you know, eating beans out of a tin and smoking weed and playing PlayStation. That's certainly what my college <laughs> experience was. Um, and
1: drinking. Yeah, all the time yeah
0: snake black, and black. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what you'd call a British university yeah. film um, but I mean there's been some British school high school secondary school <laughs> movies um, secondary school musical there you go there's an idea for a film <laughs> um, uh, something like uh, Gregory's Girl is yep. a good is example a, Kez yeah Um a like great one uh, If if, mm-hmm. if is a film <laughs> me and Ed were discussing before the podcast neither of us have seen um, so shame on us but we know it's held in high regards yes college. so it must be brilliant <laughs> um, but there really aren't too many others Educating Reader is set in a British university isn't it yeah. but considering um, the kind of global significance of British universities most specifically uh, Oxford University and Sheffield of Hell and uh, no Cambridge <laughs> is the other one there's not really that many set in universities is it because it's just a boring a boring setting like, like Morse s-
1: yeah i think so i mean there's just like uh it seems that more likely they'll focus on a specific part of university life like something like start for 10 the uh adaptation of the david nichols book mm. is just about university challenge yeah. rather than the overall university experience but that one managed to be quite likable and quite a fun co- uh, comedy but essentially it does it by skirting around being set at university to focus on this one particular cultural artefact um, or something like you know the Oxford murders which isn't a terribly good film but you know that uses the setting more to do a, a, a you know a mystery film you know I think that's kind of that's that'd be more the British sort of thing really, rather mm. than try and make a film that's actually about the call it the
0: university experience. Chariots of Fire is kind of a university film, isn't it? Yeah. And there's also there's a film called the Browning Version oh, yeah, Matthew yeah. Modine. they just all very stuffy, kind of toffee yeah bollocks, really. Yeah. Which is, you know I'd say a shame, but I don't really I'm not I mean the young ones is probably the best evocation <laughs> of the university experience In we've Brown. had. And that's terrible, because yeah. all the participants are clearly in their 30s. Do
1: you think that there's, uh, the reason is then that there isn't a filmic tradition because television is where that has been explored? I mean, you've got the young ones, which is obviously... Grainchill. Grainchill, yeah, I was going to say Grainchill, or Bright Biker Grove. Yeah. You know, there's, this, there's the uh, history teachers. Teachers, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, you know, there's, a te- there's a strong tradition in television of films about, of, of shows about education about kids and things like that that maybe they don't feel the need to cover it on because there doesn't really seem to be I mean like America has its films its TV series set in colleges and things like that but they tend to be uh, like something like Saved by the Bell which is like Freaks and Geeks Freaks and Geeks or well, so you know like the good ones don't last very long <laughs> yeah. Freaks and Geeks are undeclared which is good uh, but suffers from trying to do the college experience for a prime time sitcom
0: yeah uh, well I think that um, it's noticeable like you say about you the, the, the um, educational experience being dealt with on television rather than film where the Inbetweeners movie the actual the new one that came out this year the blockbuster smash feel good hit of the summer yeah. The Inbetweeners I it didn't work for me because they took it out of the school mm. and you realise you, you realise as the film's going on just how important Greg Davies character is yeah because even though he's not in the TV series as much as the other guys he's the kind of the ballast the kind of weighs out the kind of cockery of the kids he's
1: important to just be there to completely undermine them at every and just be hateful yeah and he's really
0: shoehorned in in the last five seconds of the start and the end of the in-between movie which I mean I hated if I'm honest Um, it was dog shit (laughs) and the thing is I think the is TV series is actually quite likeable and good and yeah. reminds me very much of my uh, sixth form experience oh god um, you know because there's someone in all of those characters that you recognise and most often there's a bit of each of those characters in yourself yeah yeah <laughs> and especially yourself at 16 to 18 uh, absolutely you know once you remove the legal obligation to turn up to school every day <laughs> your mindset suddenly changes mm. um, but the, when it's you know when it becomes four people on holiday i just started to wish that they would have a suicide pact in that film that was awful um but yeah so um you know so british college and high school films or should i say british university and comprehensive school films are universally bad or they're not really about the school experience no um but what about um this is a tangent we did talk slightly about my university experience there um the benefits of going to film school... You didn't go to film school, did you? Really? No, I
1: didn't. I've never studied film.
0: I have studied film, but I wouldn't say I went to film school. I did a degree that was half history of art, half film studies. Uh, I did history. All oh, right, okay. Um, just straight history. Just just straight history, not queer history. No. Um, I kind of had the stuffing knocked out of me when I first went to university to, to kind of do the film studies. Because I didn't do a film studies A-level... Which is if you're going to university to do uh, film studies, is a terrible mistake to not right. have a film studies A level. Because I went to university thinking, and I'll, I'll you know drop a spoiler in there. The university I went to really didn't care what your qualifications were; they just wanted you to come. So it was yeah. I wasn't qualified to do it this degree at all. Uh, and if I was underqualified for the film bit, I was completely underqualified for the history of art bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought that it would be a breeze because I'd seen like The Godfather. <laughs> and then I turn up to university and the first film we watch is Tokyo Story. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be, you know, I don't know, a kind of samurai epic. <laughs> uh, but no, there's like films that are like long and, you know, intelligent and that. Yeah, yeah. And I just lots lots... of static shots, exactly, Uh, lots of very low down shots. And as much as I can kind of reflect on that now and think that you know that was my own personal education, I learned about those things. At the time, I wasn't quite prepared for it, Um, and yeah, I kind of uh, was turned off a lot by film school and how it was taught. The the very very uh, sorry, Tokyo Story was the third film we watched. The first two films we watched were the same film. We watched Morocco. The Oh, what's her name? German actress, really famous, Blonde. Thirties. Um Dietrich. Marlene Dietrich film. Um we watched it in the first week and then we were made to watch it again <laughs> the second week because they said you've got to get used to watching films more than once. Right. Now that to me is fucking moronic. <laughs> that I mean I don't really know I mean who doesn't know that? I mean, maybe they just they were just a film short. Yeah. But they watched you watched it and then you turned up and watched the the same film again the next week. Now the first film had a massive <laughs> attendance. Yeah. Second film say not so much. Yeah. Um I mean I remember reading a thing with um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone and they had gone to film school I think for you know, a semester and yeah. just quit because they just found themselves not enjoying films anymore because yeah. it, it was I, I, do you mean do you get the same thing with English? I mean, I studied English at uh, kind of A level, and mm. you, you do get that kind of micro analysis that kind yeah. of, you know when you see the constituent parts so close up, it kind of ruins the enjoyment of it.
1: Yeah, I think I had that uh, definitely at A level when I studied English, because um, I would read books which I've since gone back and reread and realized masterpieces, but I hated at the time. Like for years, I hated The Great Gatsby because I had to read. Read it yeah. over and over, and really analyze it, and it's just kind of like you know you, you lose the pleasure of it if you have to really, really analyze the minutia of it. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things that I think. I, I mean, we, we, we it seems to be very down film stage that we go now. I do think that it's obviously completely valid for people to want to go to film school. Absolutely, you know, uh, because it's a way of learning the, the 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 trade. But I think that a lot of sort of and, and you know, we we were looking at a list of people who did go to to film school earlier um I sort of got you know people like Jim Jarmusch who are uh, sort of a weird maverick american director who's uh, you know i imagine probably learned a lot of you know what he would go on to do through his film experience um, he's very obviously interesting, interesting you mentioned uh, Tokyo story because i think uh, ozu's a very strong influence on on him mm-hmm. um and then you get people like uh, you know. I think the 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 problem with film schools is, is you'd worry that people go through and they come out and they have a very set way of thinking how films should be made. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at people like John Wichu and and someone like Michael Winterbottom who went to to film school in uh, I think Bristol, he came out of it and, and has kind of gone his own strange path. He's made all these really odd films
0: that are... British Kubrick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> If uh, Kubrick made a film a year.
0: <laughs> yeah. In the, he's a rich Howard Hawk, so you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Without the consistency.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, he's wildly inconsistent, but you know, it's, it's hard to imagine, um, anyone else coming up with, the sort of weird films, that he has, along the way in his career. Um, but the same, you know, the, the flip side of that, is there's a, there's a rich vein, of people who, didn't go to film school, who just watched lots of films, and, and made films themselves who uh, produced some uh, some really great work. I mean, we're talking, you know, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, you know, created South Park, which is a, a fabulous piece of work, um, and Team America, which is uh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but, and uh, vile. <laughs> um, All in equal measure. Yeah. Um, but then you've got people like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, you know, famously said that um, rather than spend... 30 grand in film school you should take that and try and make a film yeah um Paul Thomas Anderson I think was in film school for about three days and then dropped out um Kevin Smith did uh film school for about a semester and then dropped out and then he and Scott Mosier made a bet on um, whoever wrote a script first uh they'd like work together and try and make it and then he made Clerks I personally think he probably should have stayed a little longer yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I mean yeah. I, I love Clerks but you know I think uh his uh, his skills as a director probably could have used a little more honing <laughs> yeah a little polish, shall a little polish. Um, and then you know you've got people like Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson who kind of have,
0: self-taught
1: yeah they, they just made short films with their friends and then in the case of Sam Raimi um, just got local businesses to give him money and to, uh, and shares shares in the Evil Dead, mm. so that he could. Uh, he shot a
0: trailer, didn't he? And then took it around to basically every dentist that he knew in yeah. the neighbourhood, and just showed them the trailer and said, "You know, give us give us a few grand, and then we'll yeah. see where it goes." Yeah, and then uh, they
1: famously ran out of money. So by the end, a lot of the parts were played by him and Bruce Campbell and his
0: brother, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> which is why they're all billed as the fake shemps, um at the <laughs> at the end of the film. Um, or Peter Jackson, you know, made uh, bad taste. Or, you know just on weekends over like bad, three years
0: Bad Taste took him uh, pretty much exactly the same amount of time as it took him to do the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy yeah
1: because he was doing it on weekends and one of the cast members yeah. left <laughs> but in, I
0: mean in both in both those cases Raimi and Jackson uh, they're both kind of when they were kids obsessed with the special effects and making mm. the special effects themselves yeah. And I think Jackson was more interested in um, kind of stop motion animation and pyrotechnics than he was in you know filmmaking per se is just the, the kind of way you can yeah. do it um, on the same token Steven Spielberg you know just made all his I mean have you seen any of his early films that I've are like seen Amblin the one the one, the, I mean I'm talking about the ones he did when he was like a re- like a kid oh, I haven't like, seen either, like really some of these like, war films with like, like casts of like you know Super 8 is a real great homage to mm. his early life because he would you know get these Super 8 uh, cameras and you know there'd be four of his mates and they're all like seven and they're all out you know playing Commandos and stuff, and like they're really good. Yeah. Um, But you know, those guys didn't go to film schools at the same token. You got Coppola and Scorsese and people like that. And it's there's just there's no right or wrong approach to it, is there? It's just it probably just informs what you're going to be and what you're going to come out like as a filmmaker. It
1: seems to be that there's more of a maverick streak if uh, if if you're self-taught because you're not held in by the the strictures of it. But at the same time, I think it, it kind of amplifies whatever aspect of your personality. Because, mm. you know, no one could say that Francis Ford Coppola isn't a maverick. No. Um, and, you know, he went to film school and that didn't really dull his, you know, quest for creating uh, insane... But and then he
0: also was a Corman uh, yeah, graduate as well. Yeah, that's true. Really? And so was Scorsese. I mean, they went yeah. out of film school into Corman's stable mm. and then kind of off they went on them in their kind of merry way yeah so I think you know it, it doesn't seem like there's a right or
1: wrong way to do it, but I think that there's a uh, there seem to be advantages to both
0: really yeah um well i did i I have to say that my university experience of film studies i guess the half of my degree that I did um is I didn't really take university seriously, mm. and I went to university to not have a job right um which is a brilliant approach uh to that by racking up tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt to avoid having a job which yep. you need to pay it back um, but after I left university after I graduated sorry I, think I graduated really early April 2002 it was so it would be 10 years ago this month wow. um, me and some kind of friends who I'd kind of met on the film course who they started to really teach me about films in the sense that they were like, oh, which I think film studies should be you go to a room full of people and you talk about cool films you've seen and you watch them all together and you talk about them mm. none of this essay bollocks um, but yeah I, we did that for a whole summer because our library cards were valid until September so we had like five months of uh, access to this library that had 25,000 films in it and we'd watch kind of two three four five films a day yeah. but the problem is is that my film intake was matched by my soft drug intake and I can't really remember a lot of what I watched. Yeah. I'm not proud of this. Um, so my memory of a lot of great films is very, very hazy. I know I've seen them, but I can't remember an awful yeah. lot about them. I can remember that I've seen the Three Colours trilogy back to back. I can't remember what happens to any of them, apart from a man in a suitcase at some point. Yeah. And then after that, it's all blurry. But there was chicken.
1: Yeah. I think my um, my education in films kind of similar. Like The way it came for me was, you know, I was at university studying history. And that's this is uh, early two thousand and five. Uh, I started going on a uh, on an internet forum dedicated to the uh, Simon Pegg and, and uh, Jessica Hines, me Stevenson sitcom Spaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've well, heard of it. Yeah, and it's a very you know that's a very cine literate um, television program directed by Edgar Wright, who's nuts, nuts, mad, massive film fan. He actually did go to, you know, to film school as well. He um, did or didn't? He you? did. Yeah, and. Uh, through that because everyone on that forum was a big cinephile well they weren't all big cinephiles but there was was a a, a great deal of people who were literate Um, they exposed me to films and directors that I'd not really heard of and Mm -hmm. through that you know you you get recommendation and so that was kind of my experience throughout uni was like you know people would talk about all these films like directors that I'd never heard of and so I just kind of you know, consume as much of that as possible, really, and it's like that through that I've really got into people like Billy Wilder and Howard Hawks, you yeah, know. I think Billy Wilder, I' probably say is my favorite direct filmmaker. I think you know he's he's amazing um so I think that there there is something to that the idea of you kind of like find your own way and your own idea of what cinema is meant to be, really, mm. and I think that, that that kind of communal thing is quite an important part of that,
0: yeah. Possibly not the soft drugs out, because you will remember more about the film. Yeah, probably. Um, Right, let's wrap this up with our our top ten, our regular feature we started last time. Um, We're going to talk about, um, the. we're going to try and find the ten best teachers uh, from film. Um, Ed, do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, mine kind of like uh, straddle. Best and worst. Okay. Because they're teachers who, when I was thinking about it, they're really effective at their job. But in a lot of cases, it kind of goes against them. Right. So, like the first one I put in is uh, Arlie Emery in. Or, in. So Arlie Ermy in a Full Metal Jacket. Oh. Because. He is great. He is very forceful mm-hmm. and he has clearly moulded a lot of young men to become an efficient fighting machine. So, he's very good at his job.
0: He is very good at his job.
1: He happens to do it against someone who is emotionally not ready to take his abuse yep. who then murders him yep. so I think there he's clearly, if e- he's an effective educator but yes. with, the end results
0: are less than stellar in with motivational sense. tidbits uh, nuggets such as it looks like the best part of you slipped down the crack in your mama's ass and ended up as a stain on the mattress <laughs> now that is something that I wish my primary school teacher said <laughs> to me because I certainly would have learnt my my nine times table in that way that's a good choice uh, I'm going to go for a bit of a cheat uh, Obi-Wan from Obi-Wan Kenobi from the first three Star Wars <laughs> films um, in the first film he is very much a mentor a teacher to Luke Skywalker in the second and third films he explains the plot of the films yeah. as a ghost Um very Shakespearean, you yeah. might say. Um, I have no time for him in the prequels. He's a bit of a knob. He doesn't teach young Anakin. He's a terrible teacher. He is. Uh, but in the first one, he, he seems to. And th- what I like about it is that Luke doesn't. He doesn't really respect him and just kind of laughs at him and jokes. And Han Solo thinks he's a you know an old wizard. Yeah. Uh, and no one really kind of. But then, you know, what I mean, they really need him. And then he just kills himself. In fact, <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's a terrible teacher. Is, he's awful. Yeah. Who've you got? Uh, Isabel Huppert in the piano teacher. She is,
1: uh, you know, it's Michael Haneke film? Where she oh, is. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, sure, she's uh, into sadomasochism and she has an affair with a pupil and at one point she puts glass into a girl's pocket so that she'll fuck up her hands. Uh, but she is very good at teaching piano. <laughs> Today, to
0: people other than that girl with no hands. Yeah,
1: she... Uh, she definitely seems to be effective at teaching people how to play piano so. one handed yeah. <laughs> chop <laughs>
0: chopsticks, one handed um, um, my next choice is uh, Dave Jennings from Animal House played oh, yeah. by Donald Sutherland yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're going to have a lecturer at university you want someone who's going to walk around with no trousers on you know uh, smoke a lot of drugs and uh, screw the students Yeah, uh, I think he's a, a, a masterful uh, and an echo of uh, him is in Grady Tripp in, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Wonder Boys uh, you know although plus the trousers yeah <laughs> um, so yeah he, he's my pick uh, yeah. he's great and uh, yeah um, what I imagine university lecturers to be like but they weren't regrettably
1: yeah um, I'd say the entire teaching staff of Hogwarts School of Witch- Witchcraft and Wizardry they uh, pass a lot of those students you know they all get through their <laughs> their owls yeah. Um but also, they kind of leave them in situations where they may die yeah so the uh, safety rules and you know the uh, of the school are lacking in some ways but you can't say that they're not good educators
0: is the dark arts teacher post the uh, well after three or four films they must have been like I don't want this job and for love nor money I won't <laughs> get this job because it's uh, it's fraught with the uh, uh, pitfalls and
1: yeah let's see first one he's possessed by Voldemort second one he gets uh, which is Branagh he gets uh, oh god I forgot who was in that he gets his uh, his mind wiped yeah. third one turns out to be a werewolf fourth Naturally. one fourth one is secretly David Tennant <laughs> right uh, fifth one who's in the fifth
0: they I, I from five onwards they're a blur to me because I stopped reading the books at that point mm, because yeah. I it was the same book over and over again yeah but are those books I don't because I, I haven't read the books the films made no sense to me <laughs> whatsoever uh, in those last few Harry Potter films and there was just I don't know it was just a mess of Oh fifth one is happening. Imelda
1: Stormton who's just a psycho bitch yeah um, sixth one Snape evil kills Dumbledore spoiler oh, um,
0: what are you doing to the kids who are listening to this Ed
1: seventh I uh, don't know who's the seventh one but you know, there's. A, it does seem to be. It's not a uh, a job for life, that one. <laughs>
0: it's really. They're not going to get tenure, are they? No. Um, I'm going to go. With my next one, uh, Mr Miyagi from The Karate Kid. He's a good choice. Uh, Pat Morita was Oscar nominated for that. <laughs> Can you believe it? The The Karate Kid is an Oscar nominated film. I'm sure it probably won for best song or something for that. <laughs> You're the best around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mr Miyagi was a great teacher because. He didn't really understand. Danny didn't really understand what was being taught. Yeah. But at the end, he got it. Like wax on, wax off was a defence method. Yeah. Paint the fence, all that stuff. Catching, you know, the old uh, flies with chopsticks. You know, he shit me out. It's good
1: for taking out someone's eye. (laughs) (laughs) Sweep the
0: leg. Um, That's all
1: I'll say. What else have we got? Uh, Mr. Chips. As in uh, good yeah. <laughs> As in goodbye, Mr. Chips. Oh, that one. As in uh, Robert Donat, uh, not Martin Clunes. Uh, you know, one of the the great inspirational teachers, and inspirational teachers are kind of difficult to get, I'd th- say. Yeah. Um, for you know, I think a lot of them they're kind of presented as superhuman, mm. which can kind of detract from the idea that they're. that they would even be remotely real yeah the
0: the extremes of that are we've got uh, Dead Poets Society yeah Robin Williams who seems to be the only problems he really has is you know the, the suits not liking his curriculum yeah uh, and then we talked about this beforehand uh, Ryan Nelson Ryan Nelson he's the play of Blackburn Rovers uh, Ryan Gosling in Half Nelson yeah. whose weaknesses are crack yeah. but he tries his best <laughs> he does he tries really hard Yeah, but he likes crack <laughs> and who doesn't it's perfect <laughs> lovely it's wonderful more Ash. yeah <laughs> um, I'm gonna pick uh, Mr Hand from um Fast Times Ridgemont High. Okay. Um played by Ray Walston, who is um but the the purpose of him is an antagonist for the Sean Penn character, Jeffrey Spicoli. And they have a kind of on running battle, but at the end he goes to his house and helps him out just so he will pass. Yeah. And I mean that's something, you know, that's got of depth. The yeah. the teacher in Breakfast Club doesn't do that. No. He's just a dick. He's just a dickhead. Um your turn. Uh, I would go for um, this is kind of pushing the
1: boundaries of teacher but Bob Hoskins in 24-7 the, yes uh, the Shane Meadows film not his debut but I think it was the first one that got a wide release yeah it's weird
0: to watch now because it's A it's scripted mm. and B it's a BBC film scene yeah uh,
1: so it's kind of moving against his uh, what what his, his style has moved away because obviously he's big on improvisation now yeah um, but yeah like in that one he's uh, someone who is desperately I mean it, that film leaps around in time a little bit so you see him when he's at his lowest ebb uh and then it flashes back to him trying to get a boxing club started in this small town to try and give something to all these these guys who don't have any hope mm. and you know he is uh he's kind of heartbreaking in that film really as as someone who is who desperately believes that he can make a difference but completely you know he, he's just uh Completely unable to, which is you know, again, like really heartbreaking. But I think he's uh, that's a film that doesn't get spoken about enough. I think as far well as great British films go.
0: Yeah, it's it's often forgotten because of the more uh, kind of glamorous, I suppose, uh, Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, you know, he's kind of let, this is England, obviously, kind of took it and ran with it. But twenty four seven is a really, really great film. Uh, it looks lovely, it's all black and white. When I remember someone asked him why it was shot in black and white and he said why well, I support Knox County <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, the the most flippant answer that I've ever heard to a question ever. He's a funny guy, he's He his. is very funny. Um but yes, um that film's great and I love the way that the film is presented through Hoskins Diaries, mm. isn't it? And it's a great a great film and he's a great man he plays a teacher in from uh, Brass doesn't he? He has a cameo. Oh yeah. yeah. He visits uh, um Gavin while yeah. he's in bed. Um my last choice um, so the number nine or two (laughs) of the best best uh, teachers slash mentors is uh, Roger from Roger Dodger have you seen Roger Dodger a long time ago it's a for those of you who haven't I'm I'm talking to no one in this room because you've seen it (laughs) Um, it, and what I didn't realise when I started watching Mad Men that Roger is basically the natural conclusion for like the characters from Mad Men Mm. he's like an advertising executive kind of womanising kind of smoking hard drinking of person is that kind of that character kind of 40 years on Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah Roger is a played by Campbell Scott is a advertising executive in New York and his nephew Nick played by Jesse Eisenberg in one of his very early Mm -hmm. film roles um, comes to visit him to be taught in the ways of love and the ways of the women and Roger is a smooth-talking womanizer who is deeply deeply troubled Mm -hmm. emotionally and we get this kind of peek into Roger's world over this the course of one night, uh, and where perhaps he thinks he's quite the smooth operator. He is, you know, there's a lot of darkness there, and it actually turns out that he learns from the pupil mm-hmm. rather than the other way around. Um, but that's a really good film. A, a kind of a character at first you think is very funny, and very kind of uh, acerbic. Uh, but by the end you kind of feel very very sorry for him yeah. in a kind of pitying way so yes he would be my uh, my number two mentor okay.
1: my one for this better be good because is number a, one this is a an example of a terrible teacher I feel let's have it the sorcerer from Fantasia from the sorcerer's apprentice bit because his way of teaching appears to be to have his apprentice just uh, sweep up <laughs> not learn not learn well, any you've got to do the dirty jobs then not, to learn not, the not teach him any magic and then leave his magic hat so that the apprentice can pick it up with no training whatsoever of, it was a recipe for disaster from the beginning really it was no wonder it ended that also way. why did he hire a mouse when Yeah, he a, he's a human when he's a human that's clear that was always a recipe for a disaster they're not even the same species if I was
0: going to hire an apprentice in any trade a rodent wouldn't be yeah, <laughs> it would be really loaded unless it was no not even cheese making because it would eat the cheese they're shifty they are mice are shifty rats get a bad rap but mice yeah. I'm telling you we've gone into a specious rant now <laughs> specious. <laughs> Um yeah so that is our podcast on education uh, I, again I will add this to every podcast we do if we haven't mentioned it it's not it's not worth <laughs> listening it's not about. worth discussing um, this is the definitive article on education um, and yeah, your last podcast for a while because you're off globe trying only for a few weeks and then I'm back and then we're going to record a bunch <laughs> <laughs> we're going to record a year's worth because uh, <laughs> when Ed goes on his extended Hollybobs, bobs uh, you know we'll be losing him and Skype I don't think it's up to mustard um, so yeah that's a good place to wrap it up um, yeah uh, goodbye from me and goodbye from me and goodbye from me